1: Yeah, buddy, man, the letters are coming in. So many successes, pats on the back, and accolades about so many cool success stories. We could probably spend all night talking about how great everything is. But y'all, as your elk hunting coaches, if we did only that, we would be doing you guys a huge disservice. Our job is to go further, to look way deeper, and find the learning moments to help all become better. Tonight, we're gonna share some of those letters and messages from you, our grinders, and find the bigger picture. Tonight's lessons come straight from the 2020 archery elk season, the frustrations, the heroes, and a little soul searching as well. Those topics along with our Elk Bros shout outs and questions from our Elk Bros mailbox. So my friends, pull up a chair, adjust your volumes just right, and welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting, brought to you by elkgrows.com,
2: with your host Gilbert Ornelas, and Elk Hunting Coach Joe Gillian. You want to hunt elk, and they live to hunt elk. Their goal is to share with you what they have learned grinding it out for over 35 seasons, doing what they love. So come on into camp and set a spell. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunters.
1: Hello there, everyone. If it's your first time with us, glad to have you. Hope you enjoy the show. And for those blue-collar hunters following our show and grinding it out with us every week, welcome back to Elk Camp. I'm Gilbert Arnellis, the host of your show, coming to you live from Spring, Texas, and none other one of the most influential Venezuelan mafia members, Mr. Luis Gonzalez from oh, Katy, Texas, whoa. and whoa. from Cimarron, New Mexico itself. <laughs> Your elk hunting coaches, Leroy, Chavez, and the one, the only, the elk master of 2020, <laughs> the master Joe Jillia.
3: Huh?
4: <laughs> oh, my gosh, man. All right, this membership crap <clears throat> has w- to w- go away.
3: W- w- <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so we'll we'll talk about horseback riding at another time, man. Maybe that yeah. ought to be. Maybe <laughs> racing on a horse is how we could determine the leader of the business <laughs> I, I mean, I've got proof, man. i got, I got, got proof, videos man. and all that stuff, man. So, you know, you know, it was
4: also proven at camp. If I mean, any angle you want to look at it from. I mean, if you look at the angle from, you know, camera A, camera B. So
3: Okay, so I, I tell you what. I have to be honest. And I've gone back and I've looked at footage, (laughs) who's provided what. And, you know, Luis Gonzalez supplied an incredible amount of footage. Thank you. But nano right. footage was very limited, left
1: <laughs> not
3: to mention, not to mention
1: some of it we cannot show at all. It was
3: never <laughs> filmed. I was like, What the heck is oh, what, what, what are we looking oh, Oh, exactly. oh and then the ground, man, it was like yeah. the ground, and I was like. Oh, man, how ca- I, I'm not even able to cover for him, so, yep. you know, yep. <laughs> a little excited. I got to <laughs> tell you,
1: though, man, he was super excited when I knocked my bull down, man. Oh, yeah. That guy come walking down like Genghis Khan with a camera in his hand, dude. <laughs> I mean, good night, nurse. Oh, Ooh, man, I buddy. I,
3: I can't believe it's already been a couple of weeks since we've been back home man it just went so fast y'all so now now we're back at that counting like a blur 50, man. Man. Huh? yeah
1: <laughs> yeah it, you know we we work so hard for those seven to ten <laughs> days to be off grid and and do the hard hard part uh but you know i think this is the hard part i think the off season's the hard part uh joe you get to live in elk country so you you know, that's part of your life, you know, all through September, October. Uh for us uh mere mortals. Uh we're here, you know, in the steel and concrete cities of our confines. Uh, you know, we're gonna get a little bit of white tail action going here and some and some of them uh South Texas swine going on. Right. Uh I know Luis and them are building some new arrows and stuff like that to get after some of them pigs. So I mean we're gonna turn our focus a little bit to that, but look like you said in our our opening we are not going to turn a deaf ear to what's coming up here for you know, our elk brothers from the rifle season and on right. into the muzzleloader season.
3: Yeah. yeah, yeah, and that that's the thing that uh, <clears throat> we know that now in most states now, there's still archery going on in some no places doubt. and different things, and and in some places in some states you can hunt during those later seasons with a bow, but really that focus is starting now to go to muzzleloaders and rifle hunters that are going to be hitting the woods, and, and we're going to go in that direction next week, but for night for tonight, uh, this is a special show highlighting a few of some letters that we've received, and I mean it is special. There's a lot of this stuff that really makes you think, makes you stop and think. And again, we're wanting to to go deeper. You know, we've all been looking at the pictures that everybody's mm-hmm. been sending. Right, it's been some incredible stuff. I, sure huh? have, yeah. I mean, first time guys out there just slamming it, getting it done. Some incredible animals everything that's out there has been a trophy that's way way cool i'm just excited about that and it'd be easy to write on that but if we're going to grow what we got to do is we got to take a look at the full picture and we got to go deeper and and uh and and that's what we're going to do so tonight's topic guys is archery elk 2020 frustration heroes and some soul searching and everybody will see exactly what i mean here in just a little bit okay and and i'll tell you we have a full-grown mailbox, mm-hmm. man. I mean, you know, I we're going to start chopping
4: at. Right about that, uh, Joe. I, I mean, you've been you've been posting uh, the pictures and and mm-hmm. the stories of uh, people sending you oh, write-ups and and letters of appreciation and all that stuff. It, it's been super cool and overwhelming to see just so many people being so appreciative to everything that you guys have shared with them and things that have helped them out to achieve what they have achieved. And, yeah. and just the fact that people would think about, you know, the elk bros when they actually, you yeah. know, go through their experiences, um, uh, you know, it's gotta be way rewarding. To, to see
3: people yeah. taking out, taking, caps with them and shirts with them Uh so they can put this stuff on in their photos and Uh where they're at and it is just so humbling man i mean it yeah and and
1: all the emails back to us about how we have you know touched their hunt in some way shape or form you know um it's uh i you know humbling at at the at the very least very humbling uh, even
4: even people with tons of experience as yeah. well that are able to kind of look back and and, and at your content and say, Hey, you know what? Yeah, this is true, this is real, this is exactly what I went through. I mean I've just You know saying that you guys are real this is this is
3: true this is and and you know you know what i mean yeah you can't get no more
1: real i mean i
3: tell you what it don't get it you know and i tell people when you write us letters send your phone number Mm because i give a lot more phone calls and i like to type and uh and you know i talk to people understand something they're like really you took time out to call me look man we're just folks that's all we are we love to hunt and, uh, and and it's hard. And, and a lot of you guys that are sending letters and stuff, uh, most of those come to the mailbox that I tend until I forward stuff out. And I'm in my guide season right now. So I'm gone for weeks at a time and get a couple days in between. And uh, every now and then I get some service up there that I get to check things. So y'all yeah, be patient, please, and I appreciate that. But we do look at everything. And, and I even have some guys that had sent some – stuff about rifle season that we kind of pushed to the back a little bit because we were dealing with everybody during the archery season but we will get to you and if we it, miss it uh and if some of you guys haven't gotten answers from us you need to go to your spam because yeah. that's where it's heading spam or
1: junk yeah. yeah yeah you
3: need to <laughs> you know joe I,
1: I just got a text from a really good friend of mine and there's bow hunting still going on in many places I mean, uh, they're bow hunting right now in Colorado. I got a buddy of mine that's on a pretty good herd bull, and he's been, you know, he's been in and out of them all day, and he just hasn't been able to seal it up. You know, oh yeah. So I talked to him a little bit. He sent a video of a bull and a waller that. He just couldn't pull him and he got within 70 yards of him but couldn't pull him to within 50 and you know what i got to shoot him a little text his name is justin Howe, man we're pulling for you justin keep grinding we we hunt together on our lease down in south texas and he's a big time love killed his first bull last year with a bow and so he loves to do it and and, you know uh, i got some guys that are big turkey hunters on our lease and they're like man you know, if you, I told him, you guys like calling turkeys, this is like calling a Tyrannosaurus
3: Rex on steroids. <laughs> and, you know, it's way better than thunder chickens. I'm going to tell you right now, man. So Chad's uh, been out every morning, man, finding yeah. the elk out there, huh? Oh
2: That's yeah. Awesome. Every time I drive out out of Cimarron or drive back, uh, you know, yeah. I've been seeing a lot of elk on the road and yeah, it's pretty neat. But you now, know, whole... I
3: mean,
1: this, this is the time of the year. I mean, I mean, this is the magical time of year where, you know, this first part of, first part of october is steaming with bulls going nuts
2: you know the whole premise of of our podcast and our website is to you know cut everybody's learning curve down so that you're successful out there so you know i encourage uh, you guys that, that killed an elk if you want to write a, a story about it Heck you know yeah. we'll print it on our website send it our because way. every every time we get any kind of information from anyone it helps everybody else that listens you know we're here Absolutely. trying and and make it a a great experience for everybody so you know good stuff
3: chab absolutely point you know, totally. yep Very there you go point. let's rock and roll boys we got a lot to cover
1: well guys you know what time it is shout out if you're new to our show out out these out are just shout out. the shout outs to a few cities with the most listeners topping our charts this week
3: and elk Row shout out first of all to those grinders giving us those incredible reviews on apple podcasts nick from <laughs> Now is this Cordellin, Idaho? Cordelain. How did I, did I say that? I was pretty close, yeah, huh? Pretty close. Yeah. I yeah. like it, Joe. Yeah, nostalgic, Nick, bro. Uh, Paul Perky, everybody, man. Paul is just a fantastic. <laughs> dude. Zach Fisher, Eric Aragon. Uh, Eric is, and you're going to hear more of that name later mm-hmm. on. Dusty Davis with the review out there, and man. and there was a review that came in that. It, it, call me an old softy, man. I don't know is <laughs> my age or what, but. Uh, you know, we got one that was titled "Changes the Game of Informative Coaching," and uh, he didn't give us his name and where he's from. But um, he said that uh, he said that these fellas, and he said some other things in there. You know, um, these fellas have lifted my spirits since losing my mom early this year, and that provided me a reinvigorating fire for September, which coincides with her birthday. This is more than a podcast. This is a place to feel welcome, challenge yourself, and to look forward to another day in the Elkwoods. I dare you to find an episode that doesn't leave a smile on your face. And, you know, um, he he got, went on to say, you know, thank you, gentlemen, you're providing way more than you're aware of. And, you know, I, I, I don't have your name, uh, but awesome, I, I just want to say thank you, uh, God bless, and you know, it's when you get stuff like that that um, it validates. Soul
4: feeling, Yeah, Yeah, buddy. yeah. 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 And, and just so you know, you have given us all a big smile as well and man, something to yeah. keep, you know, grinding for. So thank you.
3: Yeah, absolutely, betcha. man. So I just want to put that out there. And now for our top listening cities. Cabez, take it away. Okay, this top listening city was formerly
2: called The Summit and is located on top of a mountain pass in central California. Its elevation is 741 feet above sea level. Its claim to fame came in 1969. I was my senior year in high school. <laughs> that a very good boy. <laughs> <laughs> when, when it hosted a free concert at its local speedway that was intended to rival the concert synonymous with the 60s, Woodstock. Ooh. However, the event became infamous when the Hell's Angels were hired as security by the management of the Rolling Stones for $500 worth of beer. (laughs) So big shout-out to Altamont,
3: California. Altamont, California. (laughs) (laughs) That's
1: awesome, man. They hired the Hell's (laughs) Angels. They brought the belly of the beast to Woodstock.
3: Well, and, and not only did you bring it, but you intoxicated it. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, <laughs> that's like, awesome. oh man, I mean, that's like throwing gasoline on a fire kind of <laughs> sort of, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, that, that's some times right there. No doubt. Altamont, California guys, thanks for listening. You betcha. You. This neighborhood in Idaho is part of the second
4: largest metropolitan city in northern Idaho. Despite being a landlocked state, it has the distinction of having the easternmost landlocked seaport in the United States. Using dams and locks on the Snake and Columbia Rivers, it is reachable by ocean-going vessels. Lewiston
3: Orchards, Idaho. Idaho, man. Idaho in so, the house. Yep. Idaho. Thank you, guys. Man, uh, always listening. Had no idea that you could reach the sea from Idaho. That's, uh, that's pretty that's cool. That's crazy. Huh?
1: It's yeah. got to be up in that panhandle, huh, brother?
3: <clears throat> uh, well, you got the snake. You know, that snake. Yeah, the snake river that it. comes yeah. out of
1: it. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: And Columbia. And then and with the Columbia, Columbia River is how they can get west. Because I know Mm -hmm. in some parts, the snake kind of divides the two states too, right? Yeah, Yeah, I would think so. so. Yeah.
1: That's pretty cool, man. Awesome. Next up, a community located within the Portland metropolitan area and is adjacent to Beaverton. It is located in the midst of Oregon's Silicon Forest, home to hundreds of tech companies. Forest Park wraps around the northeast edge of the neighborhood. Famed for being one of the largest urban forests in the U.S. with over eighty miles of trails, in Bethany, Oregon.
3: Bethany, Oregon. Oregon in the house. Oregon, I, man. I mean, those guys—they got the roosies up there,
2: don't
1: they, Joe?
3: Yeah, they got both. Hmm. They got both. the Rockies and the Rockies Rosies, and yeah. the roosies. Yep, absolutely, yeah. man. And uh, you know, what, what
4: would you say main differences between one
3: or the other? Body Body size. size body Body size size. number one the Mm rock the rosies are bigger than the rockies um and there's a little bit of behavior um change and i don't know if that's so much because of the difference in the animal or the difference in the environment because the rosies live a lot in that jungle environment you almost find them behaving a lot like the elk do the rockies that are in kentucky it's so Mm -hmm. thick that when they get boogered they don't go very far so you know uh they're a little bit more territorial to an area there. I, I find How it about
1: different. antler size. Yeah. Their antlers are a lot more like uh mass they're smaller. Yeah. Yeah. They're smaller They mm-hmm. They don't have the time length or the beam length that yeah. the Rockies do, but, but they got mass. Massive, yeah. Yeah. They got a lot of mass. Mm-hmm. Uh, they hold a lot of mass out to the end of their tines. Uh, Bigger bigger
4: in size, smaller antlers, but with
1: more mass. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Trey Kistler, the bull he killed last year, was a rosy. And uh, Mm -hmm. it was real heavy-horned and stuff. So he killed him up there in Oregon.
3: Right. Cool. Thank you. Awesome, man. Um, So next up, this is a census-designated place in southwestern New Mexico near the Gila Wilderness. Our elk hunters out there, you guys will definitely recognize that name, where Massive bulk. Bull elk are frequented, man. Uh, if, when people look to find big bull elk in New Mexico, those sixteens A, B, C, D, down yeah. in the Gila—that's a lot of places where everybody wants to go. Um, this community is named after the prehistoric Indian tribe that formed a branch of the. All right, M- um, Moguon. 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 <laughs> I was. Mogojon. <laughs> Let let the Frenchman say it. How do you say it, Frenchman? (laughs) Mogollon. In Spanish, Spanish it's Mogollon. The culture that lived along the Mimbus River. The tribe is known for their famous, distinct black on white pottery. Mimbus pottery is so distinctive that until fairly recently, the end of its production around, get this, 1130 or 1150, was equated with the disappearance of the people who made it. And this is in Mimbres, New Mexico. New Big shout New out Mexico. to Mimbres. I'm glad Man. I didn't get to read that one. Joe's, <laughs> home, state, with Joe's <laughs> home state in the house. So uh, since I read it, all y'all folks in Membrus, remember, that was Joe Gillia. So when I need some help to hunt down in the Gila, don't be helping these other boys. Be helping me out. <laughs> <All right. Yeah. laughs> I, We've yeah, never been down south. We've always hunted up yeah, north. Yeah, we've always right. hunted up so, north, right? Yeah. Uh,
2: this border town is part of the Spokane metropolitan area and got its name in 1890 when it was selected as a landing site for the first steamboat on the Penn Oriel River. I'm not sure if I got that part right. Located in the far northeastern part of the state and in one of the most scenic areas of the state, it shares a state line with Old Town, Idaho, and this is Newport, Washington.
3: Newport, Washington. Washington in the, in the house. house. Yeah, the state hey, line right And the West right Coast the showed road. up, Joe. Oh, yeah. I'm telling you, man. We've been getting so we get so many listeners from all of those states. It's just unbelievable. Get a lot of letters and everything like that from it. In fact, so tonight, our topic is actually, guys, it comes from you, our grinders. So what we're going to do tonight is I'm going to pull out some of these, and we're going to talk about them, because each one with a different message, lesson, reason, or inspiration And I think it's real important to talk about these, because these are things that happen. These are real things that happen, real people doing these, our grinders that um, are are sending these in. And I I took portions of some of their letters and put them on here, and and I wanted to put them in a category, and the first one, and I had to start with this one first, because I actually was on the phone with uh, this young man, Brian Havis, today from Nevada. And. In in Brian's letter, uh, I'm going to read you some of it, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about it. It says, um, I've been hunting elk with my dad and grandfather for 25 years. Just before my hunt, a little over a month ago, I lost my long-life hunting buddy, my grandpa. He's tried for 20 years, or he had tried for 20 years, to draw this Nevada tag to hunt elk. Seems like I was always just a little short, and he, he drew this tag. Okay. And wow. in his letter, he says that while hunting, it seems like I was always a little short of making it happen. Something I wanted to do so much for him. His goal was to not only since he got that tag, because he said his grandpa was so excited for him when he got that. Um, and so he really, his personal goal was to be successful in taking that elk. And he's, you know, and when I talked to him, you know um it's funny over the phone you can how you can feel the emotion and i couldn't mm. see his face but i knew exactly how he felt what was going on with his face and uh and and how much it had touched him in his heart and how much he wanted to achieve that goal and and you know he said now he has to wait out 7 years to be able he has to wait out just to put in for that nevada tag again and uh you know when we talk about perspective, uh, there's all these times that we try to give perspective, you know. And and we're talking about Brian. And I and I told Brian, you know, I kind of felt some of that. I mean, I, I, there's no way any of us can compare the loss of a loved one to another. We all deal with that in our own way. But, you know, this year, um, when I didn't have, for the first time after 38 years, didn't have Chav with me up there. You know, it's funny. I I didn't really know how much that pressure or that goal that I had on of me wanting to achieve that. I really didn't understand how much that meant to me until I started walking up to my animal. Mm -hmm. And so I can really, really associate with Brian and how, what he felt. So why do I put this under perspective? You know, I mean there's going to be a lot of guys out there this year that aren't going to fill tags, right? And, you know, all of us have different reasons for the season. We have different goals. Um, you know, I equate as a coach me being successful by helping others to punch their tag. But for so many people, so much more reason yeah. out there. And, uh, and, and, in talking to Brian, you know, about that, I really, I really wanted him to think about a, a, a few things, you know, um, he's 30 years old. He's got okay. a lot of hunts in the windshield.
1: No doubt.
3: And, uh, and I tell you, I, I, one thing I want to tell all the people out there that didn't fill this year. And I said something like this at camp. I said, you know, Goals are something that are not purchased. Goals are not given. There's something that has to be achieved. And all of this is a journey. And, and I like to equate elk hunting with the journey in life. I mean, dude, you've been on that mm-hmm. journey. Right. You know. Uh,
2: if think, you have a perspective. Yeah, it's a never-ending journey. Uh, I didn't realize how much I was going to miss it, you know, not being able to be out there. And just for the camaraderie, really, and, and uh, just getting out in the, in the hills. Uh, you know, I, I sat by my phone waiting for a, <laughs> a text, <laughs>
0: yeah. and
2: I'd go like, they haven't got one yet? That doesn't seem like them, you know. And, yeah. and I'd wake up early in the morning and check the phone. Nope, nothing yet. But uh, I, I know there's a lot of you out there, too, that uh, have been putting off getting uh, going out there. You know, YOLO, you only live once, you know, put in for it. Uh you'll be surprised how much uh you'll miss it once it's gone. You know, uh you know, we're talking about waiting three hundred and sixty five days for the next hunt. You know, I I had to wait eight hundred days. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. we'll we'll see what happens. But yeah, it's uh it's a life changing experience and uh I know when you do lose somebody that's you know, close to you, like, you know, we lost Carl a few years ago. Uh, you know, it makes things uh it puts things in perspective. You know,
3: but at the same time, you know, like we say, Carl has not died because oh, no. yeah, true. he keeps A- showing up every time we are in that camp. And so many times that we have this podcast, so many of you guys out there know Carl Gamage through us. Uh, and so when that happens, when we talk about it, when we have the memories, when we when give his voice, you know, yeah. <laughs> when we do that stuff, uh, Our brother lives on. And and I think that's what it's all about. And, you know, uh, Brian, you've got seven years to go gain some experience, head to Colorado, put in for New Mexico, put in for Arizona over there, you know, put in for different places. Keep getting your experience so that when you draw that Nevada one, you're going to go up there and you're going to rock it. And then you can take care of those ashes in a special way.
1: You betcha, Brian. Check our elk camp out, man. Go go to elkbros dot com and check out our elk camp. I promise you, man. Our academy will help you. You will be ready the next time you get that tag, brother. Absolutely right. It's, um. So one one of the things I
4: find, you know, is very magical when when I'm out in the mountains is that, um, for some reason. Those mountains have a way of actually you know, touching my feelings in a, in, a, in a very different way. It gets me out of my day-to-day setting, and it puts me in more of a magical environment. It's huge. And, and, and for some reason, I, I tend to bring to my memory or, and just I keep presence of the people that I love the most that have passed away, yeah. and uh, it's just, you know, it, it, for some reason – they're more alive while I'm up in the mountains and they're more alive and more real to me during that time. And those Um,
3: relationships with the people that are with you are that much more rich because of it. Yes, sir.
4: Yes, sir. So I was just going to say, you know, um, grandparents are, are, you know, can be very special to a lot of people. My grandma is just one of those um, persons that touched my life in in a very special way and Uh still does. Right. So, um, the fact that you have that relationship, you have that relationship with your grandpa and you're, when you're, when you're up there in the mountains, it doesn't matter where you're at and whether you harvest an animal or not. The important part is that, that person is with you and that you're thinking of that person. That's really where the value is. Yep. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. 100%. I'm going to tell you in that, that day that (laughs) that Joe killed his bull uh, that evening, I felt like Carl Gamage had me by the dead gum uh belt strap of my pants, man. Um I could hear him talking to me the whole time. Don't mess this one up, boy. I mean, I could <laughs> hear him like wheeling me across that mountain. And and I had made the decision that, that evening that if we jumped into something, man, I was gonna go till I passed clean out because I almost did that morning. Uh, so I was going to let them tote my big ass off that mountain if that's what had to happen, but I could just hear Carl uh, all the time. Like we, we feel those presence. I feel the presence of my grandfather. I mean, he was, he was the number one, you know, factor in me learning how to hunt. He gave me my woodsmanship, you know, uh, all of us had somebody in our lives that helped us get there. And my grandfather was mine. So, Brian, I guarantee you, man, you stay ready, at stay at the ready, and uh, you'll do your grandfather proud when you get that next tag, brother.
3: And and keep passing that on to your family members. You got to you spend time you. with your sister. You got to spend time with you. other family members, and that's special, special time, man, and, and your grandpa's there. So uh, yep. up next, this letter was from Jason Schultz from Connecticut, and... I could not believe this when I heard this. You know? I know, man. This was I crazy. about putting in perspective. Oof. So he is five days into the two-week hunt that they're going to hunt, right? Mm-hmm. And they are on the mountain. They're over a mile from camp or wherever they're going to be when his partner <laughs> breaks his fibula in two places. Oof. I mean, this guy, like, yeah, and, and not the look, tib, young.
1: the fib. Yeah. That's the big I, bone. Did you
3: know how that happened, Joe? So he said that something happened. You know, how many times have you been there, like when you go to step with one foot and it mm-hmm. gets locked into some logs and then you could, mm-hmm. like, going mm-hmm. over something bigger and you lose your balance and it stays yep. back? Well, yep. I, could, I could just see that happening you know and you get in an awkward position and something's got to go and and he broke his fibula in two places and uh and, and so get this you know i i wouldn't have had this i wouldn't have had a whole bunch of ibuprofen in my in my pack he you know he had ibuprofen in his pack he jacked him up full of that they uh they they strapped him up the guy hikes out of the mountain, can you imagine oh, how excruciating the pain this brother yeah, the pain so, so this this accident happens with your partner now, um Jason is from Connecticut, his buddy was from Florida, right, oh, and so now you you have to get out of the mountain, you have to get to the hospital mm-hmm. um, and now, what happens is is that you are no longer partner honey and right there's some there's a security in hunting with a partner Mm -hmm. you know so all of a sudden now jason has gone from pretty much you know it's turned into a solo Solo hunt hunt. for him Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. and uh and he was he was real in his letter he was real appreciative because after going through our podcast and our solo series you know it's funny that he listened to that it wasn't that he thought he was going to have to use that. But he's not the only letter we got. We got a letter from another gentleman that one of our success guys that said, this was his first time elk hunt. And, you know, we just did the piece on on dealing with the meat after meat. the kill. And yeah, he said he that. wasn't even going to listen to that podcast because yeah. he's like, what are the chances of a first timer, you know? So, first of all, the heck with you for even thinking that thought. I'm upset, <laughs> man. I'm like <laughs> – you gotta think you're gonna get Positive. it, man. And, PMA. and he's like so glad he did because you know he first time Elk Hunter and he kills this. So, you know, put this in perspective. Now Jason and and I've had I had other hunters that told me the same thing that when they got boots on the ground in the actual place that they had never been before And they stop and they look around. It's like, what the heck, man? Where do I start, right? Uh, mm -hmm. I mean, it just seems so big. and Daunting. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, when you stop, when you think about the stuff you've learned. Mm -hmm. And we're going to do a podcast real quick here on, on, I want to talk about finding elk. I want to talk about and break it down in a way that I think will make sense to a lot of people. But, you know, he went out there and got on animals, man. And, uh, and he, he had encounters and he feels like his, you know, out of a one to 10 with 10 being the best hunt it could be. He's like, man, it was such a 10, you know, even after all of that crap happened, he continued to grind on, (laughs) you know, fortunately they were using a fifth wheel. You know, mm-hmm. so his buddy, I was mm-hmm. like, this dude had to stay in a tent for all this time after, wow. you know, after breaking his leg. After breaking his leg, yeah. Oh. But, but he didn't. He, they had a fifth wheel, so it was a little more comfortable. But still, you know, man. that, I mean, that dude had, I mean, how, how much would that suck? You know, suck bad. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> like, I, so I'm so hoping sh- he kills something so I can at least help him bone the meat out or something. So,
4: <laughs> sit in my chair. And, so, wait a minute. And, that, the gentleman was, had his leg broken for two weeks before he could get it attended to? No, I'm no, sure no, they no, jumped no, down no. off the mountain. Oh, no, yeah, oh, before they fair. got back out of there. So
3: yeah. he went to the oh. hospital. They ended up putting him in the splint and all that, and mm-hmm. he went back out there with his buddy, and he pretty much stayed in the camper. Right. Oh, okay, mm-hmm. with the cast, he stayed. Okay, sweet, yeah. man. Yeah, yeah so cool. he stayed there. And you know what? Because of trooper, duty. Yeah, no kidding. He walked
1: out of there on Advil, bro. I was nine Advil a day and taking those daggum, uh, I don't know what they were called, naproxen <laughs> 500 milligrams. And I wouldn't even, my foot wouldn't even broke. Okay.
3: Dude, I break my, I break my fibula in two places. and Somebody tells me, yeah, we're going to walk out of here. I'm like, Screw that! Get the get the helicopter man. Get the helicopter. Got to get the Zolio ready to roll here, man. We texting some folks. I'm I'm hitting the Zolio SOS. It's <laughs> uh, exactly. coming exactly. in, man. Yeah. Um, and you know, guys. Uh, so that's perspective. And then you know, bad things can happen. And I just got done talking with Sean Dawson, and you guys recognize that name, Sean, oh, he yeah. was out there, mm-hmm. and uh, he was just finishing up his hunt. Sean. You know he's like joe how much does it cost to go on a guided hunt in new mexico and i'm like dude you know and he's like after what i've paid on this hunt so his vehicle in the mountains blows up it oh, has no. to be towed out of the mountains oh. and cost him like six thousand dollars right oh, just for his man. vehicle i mean this is after buying all your gear and getting everything you mm, know that you, no. just to get out there to hunt then then he's on uh I think he's uh, hiking through. He's got his bow strapped. So everybody, listen, we talk about failure points. I want you to think about this. He has his bow strapped to the back on his pack. He's walking through, and he feels something pull a little bit, but it, he never hears nothing snap, nothing like that. Gets back to camp, and all the strings on his bows are limp because a twig limb got in between his pulley camp. and his string yeah. and derailed his oh, his oh. string. And uh, so now he's got to go to a bow shop to get that fixed, you know, get back out of there. They have to rent a car, which is a four by four rave. That's only got two inches of clearance and trying to hunt Idaho. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I mean and dude he's he finally gets his vehicle back and when he's texting me he's like I'm like where are you he's like I'm on the side of a mountain waiting for my truck to cool down because now it's overheating and he said it's my birthday <laughs> oh goodness gracious man
1: God. God. Oh my note to this dude man get a backup bow always bring <laughs>
4: sounds,
3: your backup bow that was
4: a lot like our 2019
3: haunt oh my gosh man so for you guys out there that that have struggled this season i just wanted to give you a little perspective that no matter how bad we think things are for us that that things could always be worse and even though Mm -hmm. they are for a lot of people those people are just keep on going right we just keep on grinding and that's it you know i I say and i do that one ad for our For Academy. I like it. And it's you know, you know, keep dreaming of the screaming, believing and achieving. But most of all, just keep grinding. Keep grinding. Just keep grinding. Okay. So our next category is never ever quit. In our next category. And this letter, the first one comes from Mike Bozarth from Central Idaho. And Mike said that um, he had a couple of hunts lined up, hopefully to call in a bull for his son's first elk hunt. And he also wanted to help his wife get her first archery deer, which gave him eight days to fill his elk tag. Well, he's out hunting, and on day four, he comes back from his hunt to find his entire camp stolen off the back of his side-by-side.
1: Can't do it, man. Can't do it. That's... mm. (laughs) Yeah.
3: So, you know, how many people at that point would have said this, mm. right? Yeah, <laughs> King's
1: X, time to go.
3: Yeah. And you know what? It took him a day or so because he had to, you know, had to take care of things and get out of there. But he's back mm-hmm. on day six. So what did <clears> he do? <throat> Mike did not quit. And on day six, he climbed up into a spot that he had killed the the year before And he said the elk were thick. So he had a ground blind that he set up, which is not his style. But listen to this, guys. You know, he uses all the plays in the playbook. And I'm so proud of Mike for that because, you know, you got to do a buffet when you're out there hunting, man. If you're a one-horse, one-trick pony, you're going to struggle. And Mm -hmm. so he went out there and he sat in it in the evening. The elk started talking bulls were screaming and fighting cows were talking he said and and this would have been me so he said that he was so tempted to get out and chase the bulls but the cows had him pinned so Don't say it
1: would have been you joe it wouldn't have been tempted you'd have been gone <laughs> have abandoned ship we are leaving we are leaving the confines of the little papa blind or ground blind we out yeah Yeah, so, Mike,
3: bro, you're a lot smarter than Joe Gillia because he said he went for the higher percentage opportunity and he harvested a cow, man. uh, Yeah, I'd have been like, shoo, (laughs) shoo. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) I'd have been out of there. And then the coolest part of it was is that he really just wanted to get it done because what he wanted to do was help others to get their first archery animals and to help them make memories. So so uh, cool. Mike, man, tip of the elk bros hat to you, bro, because I yeah, you know, talk about not quitting, right? Uh, You, what would you have done if you had come back and your total camp was (laughs) gone?
1: Might have said a few choice words, Joe. <laughs> and I might not have a to, lot of
4: better would have gone unleashed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We <going> went
1: straight <laughs> yeah. off unleashed. You know, guys, I I, I wanna you know, that's another thing we can talk about failure mechanisms, man. Um I almost you know, I know Joe doesn't like uh doesn't like uh uh trail cams and stuff like that, but it's if you're camping in a remote location, man, it's probably not a bad idea to put you one up or a couple of them uh just in case somebody does come in there and mess with your camp or something like that. Maybe you can at least get a license. It's actually
3: a very good idea. I have nothing against trail cams. I've just I've just never bought one because I had other things I had to purchase. You know what I mean? So Well hopefully
1: uh, hopefully this is uh you know something that he could take a look at maybe in his next time but
3: And I think trail cams are more effective at helping you like that than they are sometimes, you know, uh showing you mm -hmm. where bulls are gonna be in September. You know what I'm saying? So yep. uh so Agreed. next up on the list was Ryan Riedlinger and uh and I oh, it might be Reidlinger. If it's mm-hmm. German, it might be Reidlinger. Um and he said that uh this was his second ever archery hunt. It was six and a half days and over fifty miles hiked. Manano, did you hear that, bro? Fifty miles hiked. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> In, uh, six
1: and a half days and only 50 miles? Come on, man. you got to put some work in. <laughs> <laughs> You're uh, not impressing us, bro. <laughs> yeah. So
3: in, in the amount of time in six and a half days, no bugles heard and only saw a few animals. And it, this kind of reminds me of, of that day for you, Gilbert. And we're going to talk about that here in a second. But he said... Two hours were left of daylight on his last day. Lightning, thunder, rain, and then a bugle. Ooh. Wow. It, with two game. hours of daylight left. So that would have been seven thirty, had to have been about five thirty PM. He played it super aggressive. He did exactly what we tell people to do in our playbook, close the distance. He gets in on it, gets him into fifteen yards, and wow. in two hours so six times 24 hours right yeah you know six days of not even a bugle and hardly yeah. seeing a critter the last two hours this yeah. guy gets a bugle closes the distance gets him into 15 yards and seals the deal right w- this reminds me
0: so W-F-J-G-D. much of, of the T-shirt.
3: Of the teacher of
4: attitude, attitude. adjustment that we yeah. have, Nell grows is just kind of
1: paints this picture, right? <laughs> it well, can all happen that fast
2: too,
3: and that's it. Five minutes can change everything. Oh my you know, gosh! And I want—I've heard so many people. And look, guys, the theme all across the West. I'm hearing people like the elk aren't bugling, right? The rut <laughs> is late, right? Um, we and. We're hearing all of that, and it seems to be a common theme. It's like it's the toughest season ever, and and I'm not saying that it's not, and I'm not saying that things aren't late. Um, but what I'm the thing that I'm saying is is that, you know, you take a look at that evening when we when we got Gilbert's elk, we were. In the burn area, and we mm-hmm. had come ridge after ridge, working over to that area, right <laughs> We yep. had been talking, we had been doing you know putting out locations, putting out cow calls, doing uh scenarios, not, not a, a peep, right nothing not a, and yet
1: we're three hundred head of elk in there yesterday,
3: yeah, hmm. right, and all we did was go not even fifty yards over a ridge, you. Yep. Just
1: falling
3: off after doing uh, making all this noise in this one area had we just decided ah screw it there's nothing talking and going we would have never known that going 50 yards over a ridge giving a cow call and things went berserk in that last side.
1: hour and a half
3: yep yeah absolutely i
1: mean str- the last 45 minutes were is you know guys that watch duck hunting and everything you watch ducks unlimited where these ducks just flood out of the sky the last 45 minutes of that hunt was something that you film out of the rocky mountain national forest or rocky mountain elf foundation i mean it was absolutely bonkers for the last 45
3: minutes but we were 50 yards and 50 feet down from never knowing that exactly exactly what i'm saying so it changes
4: bro. that quick, but so yeah, you know Ryan. Congrats on your bowl, man, and congrats gotcha. on keeping keeping on grinding until the last minute. So way to get it done, brother.
3: Yeah, yeah ab- absolutely. And you know how many times Chav?
2: Yeah, last <laughs> last day kills for us. We've last, had a lot of them.
3: Last day, last second. Right.
2: Yeah. You know. What I
1: love about him is, like I said, W W J G D. Right. What would Joe Julia do?
2: <laughs> jillia oh, straight
1: up play super oh. aggressive close the distance and slam that bull that's what absolutely. he absolutely so you did exactly what you were supposed to that's, do that's, Ryan.
3: that's our playbook right there absolutely. Ryan. man go get i him. mean so proud of you man i mean uh you 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 did not quit you never ever quit and you gotta understand it can happen at any time
2: you yeah, you know another little thing too is uh you know with the thunder and lightning, a lot of people could have quit at that point, but you know there's rain too, and instead of heading back to camp, you know that's ideal situation
3: absolutely,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. especially if you can wait out a little bit of that lightning you know and, and yeah. stay safe uh, yeah. you know careful that,
2: with th- the lightning we uh
1: we <laughs> had some, some close <laughs> encounters there last year you, you yeah. know when we when we did stumble on that though, that herd uh Joe and myself and Manano and Brendan. It was like when we blew the first little herd up, the wind kind of blew it up. I say we did, but pushing and pushing, we were going to blow through those herds and get to where those bulls were. And I remember the last thing Joe told me, there were three or four bulls screaming right in front of us. He goes, Go down there, you know. So dude, I dive off like a dadgum bull in a China cabinet boy. Whoosh down that hill I go, and I mean right in front of me, a bull just erupts right out from under me. I'm like, I didn't even see him you standing there looking at me the whole time, man. But uh you you Joe said, Go down there and blow it up. I was going down there, come hell or high water. We were gonna get it done and you know, we got lucky. You know, bull. You know, gave me well, a little bit of a shot. That,
3: and... So here for those other people, when that happens, when a bull blows out, man, you just friggin' scream. You know, you challenge, scream like you just, yeah. you just hooked that guy in the rear end. You got him out of there, right? And did that, and man, it it just incensed that other bull.
1: He did, know? man. He couldn't take it. He had to come get a little peek of what was going you know? on up there. And when he got in that little crease, man, he gave me enough. And you know. Uh, Again, Ryan, you felt it. You go back to your practicing and everything. Absolutely got it. Even within 15 yards, that's amazing, man. Great job.
3: So our next category is our category, uh, and I entitled this one as You Can Be a Hero. And, uh, And there's two gentlemen on here that are getting a huge tip of the hat. And, you know, when we do stuff that we do, It's great to see the success, but when you see success get passed on, get taught, when people take and follow our lead of helping others to helping people themselves, play it forward, yeah, absolutely, huh? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and all of us have talked about these two stories, and uh, so we're going to share these and and we're going to talk about this. Um, We get a letter from Paul Snowart from. Yeah, I love this. Paul is from Wyoming, Minnesota, and he moved to Louisiana. So <laughs> it's like, that. Just I'm sorry, it's just comical. But anyway, Wyoming,
1: Minnesota.
3: <laughs> Wyoming, Minnesota to Louisiana. Well, he says, and there was other parts to the letter, but I'm just going to go right down. It says, on my third day, I was walking back to camp at 2 p.m., and one of the campers next to me offered me a ride. Now, Paul had killed his elk on, I think it was day two. It's either day one or day two. Um, And he was one of those that said when he got feet on the ground and he got there, it was just, it was just so intimidating. But he said he kept thinking about the stuff that we taught him. He just started following his nose, following his eyes, following his ears. He started going to those places and next thing he knows he's an elk. Next thing he knows he's killing an elk. So (laughs) that in itself was incredible, right? But what he did afterwards was he remembered what we said about how much you can learn by going and counting coup and 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 learning about the elk so he continued to go out and learn about elk behavior well one afternoon, he had watched some elk and put him to bed, and he said, on his third day, I was walking back to camp at 2 p.m., and one of the campers next to me offered me a ride. After talking to him and his son, they had been here for a week and hadn't had any close encounters and saw very few elk. This was the son's first trip out, and the father had been coming here for his sixth year and hadn't taken an elk yet. I offered to show them where I had just watched some bedding elk and they were kind of hesitant. So I offered to go with them and try to call in for them and that they gladly accepted. Yeah. I got them into the area and helped them set up. Now, this is so cool. So this is a guy at one point, this is his first elk hunt, right? right. This is a guy that has zero elk hunting knowledge.
1: Yeah. And, before and he's going to go year, call for him
3: Yeah. So he is telling them how to set up. He That's said, awesome. I explained what to do if they start coming. I then moved back 40 yards and started calling. It took me about 30 minutes, but I finally got three cows, two calves, and a small bull to move our way. The lead cow walked 10 yards broadside in front of the sun, and I watched him smoke her. Wow. The That's father cool. and son... Mm-hmm. Down there, hugging and happier than can be. He said he was getting choked up watching this because the father was crying with happiness. The boy was only 12 years old and on his first trip. He said, I helped them pack it out, and they invited me back for supper. He said it was such an awesome feeling. I gave um, an elk read that I hadn't used yet, unlike Luis. He gives you used greeds. <laughs> <Yeah>. Right. <laughs> Give you the used greeds right out of his mouth. <laughs> he said, I, I gave um an elk reed that I haven't used yet and showed him how to use it. He was pretty rough, but over the last two days he's been getting pretty good around camp. Anyways, I can't wait till next year.
1: Lifelong you know, wow. friends made their poll.
3: <clears throat> wow, what a what a story, Joe. Yeah.
4: It's moving and so many you know different ways it's just unbelievable it's uh kudos to paul absolutely incredible yeah you made made a difference made a difference to that family and a everlasting memory for that 12 year old kid man you'll have some hunting
1: partner partners for life there paul yeah Yeah. especially that boy
3: yeah when you, you know um to pass it on like that now you know and what what i think is so cool is he had so much confidence in his Skills that he learned, yeah. That he was actually now passing on that knowledge. That's it's awesome. almost like, you know, being a tutor in school. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: exactly. Yeah, you know. Oh, and I know. by
3: the way, quick parentheses.
4: Uh, instead of focusing in the fact that I gave you a use read, um, <laughs> I think you should focus on the fact that I gave you the only
3: read I had. If <laughs> I <laughs> remember the only correctly, read I you had. pulled another one out of your pocket. No, no, <laughs> I was going to give not. it back to you. You were like, "No, no I'm good. I have this other one." <laughs> no, I have the other one at camp. Oh, at camp.
4: I, <laughs> at camp. I didn't have it with me because Take I I would have put it back. In my mouth and try to call in on that. And,
3: you know, dude, like, we're like in a relationship at this point, right? No, no, no. You know? You're in a relationship with me. I'm not in a relationship with you. Let's make that clear. And, 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 I, and I want you, yeah. this is the read that I call in his bull that oh, yeah. that he kills yeah. right, with. Right? Yeah. Yeah. First bull. Yeah. You know. I call in the bull and he, he kills this bull. And I'm like, you know what? He's going to cherish this read forever. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, bro, you want to, nah. No, you can have it all year, bro. All all you can keep you. it for your
2: memory about this elk I have my memories all well set and done
3: Grinders tuning in thank you for listening to the Blue Collar Elk Hunting podcast our goal is to share our knowledge and help you flatten that learning curve so that you too can have some of the very same incredible experiences that have given all of us here at Elk Bros a lifetime of memories. If you like what you hear or see, you can get all of this information, plus so much more from our Base Camp Elk Hunting Training Camp, the first in a series of online courses from our Blue Collar Elk Academy. Our base camp training camp allows me to use my coaching style and share almost 40 years of elk hunting experiences successfully hunting elk on public lands as well as over 20 years guiding hunters of all ages and experience levels. This course will be like nothing you have ever experienced in concept and structure using success-based coaching techniques that will elevate your confidence and skill sets. Our camp will prepare you specifically specifically from that final moment most in your control, those final minutes or seconds the elk is in front of you, backwards through each step and level, allowing you to see, visualize, understand, and relate every coaching point to what lies ahead, the next step, the next thought process, the next success. Because, y'all, you've already been there. You know what it looks like. By tapping my 30 years of teaching and coaching experience, our camps are developed considering multiple learning modes with text, visuals, audio, as well as video. And Basecamp will benefit those new to elk hunting all the way to the 10 to 15 year vet. So if you are looking for that one thing to help you fill that tag this year, invest in the most important piece of equipment there is, you and your elk hunting knowledge. You can find the Blue Collar Elk Hunting Academy and the Base Camp Training Camp at elkbros.com. That's E-L-K-B-R-O-S dot com. Keep dreaming of the screaming, believing in achieving, and most of all, keep grinding. (laughs) So, next up in this category, um, Mr. Eric Aragon um, from... New Mexico. he say where he was from? Or? Yeah, he's actually from Cruces. Oh, Las Cruces. Las Cruces, yeah. And uh, <clears throat> um, uh he says that uh, he was hunting solo in the Gila wilderness recently, and he ran across a hunter <laughs> with his nephew after – they bumped a herd that he was set up on, so get this what Wait, were you time gonna say out this? real quick, Joe yeah, no, the Jason Schultz is from another thing, so it's okay. this Eric Aragon right, okay, gotcha. and uh, so Eric is set up in the Gila, <clears throat> and he's got he's working a bull when this guy and his nephew come into his setup and blow it up so <laughs> so. What would be most people's reaction i see I see Gilbert going yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've had that happen it's a I tough one you.
0: it's a I've tough one
4: you know it's a, it's a tough one to turn around yeah, and it seems like he
1: did
3: yeah, so get this he you know when he saw them, he went down and he started talking to them. and he found out that they were new to the area and that uh and, and that the young boy was excited, full of questions about the hunt, and he asked them if they would like to join him for the rest of the day's hunt. So this guy has got a bull he's working, and these guys come in and blow up his hunt. He talks to the kid, and he can see the genuineness in this kid. He can see the excitement. And I don't know if he saw himself. I don't know, you know, right. what? You know, possessed him, but he goes ahead and and asks them if they want to join for the hunt. So he wanted to show them around the area where he had had success in the past. Not only is he going to have them join him, but he's showing them his honey holes. This is a guy that hunts yeah. there quite a bit, right? Wow. Um, hunting alone in the backcountry without horses or help in ninety degree, de- degree weather was not going to help me much in terms of preventing spoilage. So he knew that you know if he was going to be out there hunting, he could help somebody else out right so um the guy wasn't really um so was really, really versus calling so he offered to do the calling and off they went that afternoon he called in a real nice bull and if you guys haven't seen the photos yeah. go to <clears> instagram nice home. bull is an understatement this is a beautiful bull called yeah. it in to eight yards and this guy seals the deal and fills his tag he then says we worked together to break the bull down and he learned how to debone the animal he taught them how to debone it and prepped him for a haul out so basically eric educated you know took out took him under the wing called in a bull um, watched these guys be successful because of his calling helped them, taught them how to debone, how to get it there, and how to haul it out. And, you know, he says, I made some new friends, and I showed them some real New Mexico hospitality. No Which doubt. is a complete understatement, man. Yeah. Um, he says he really loves to call for others, and although he didn't harvest an elk for himself, he came home just as happy because he— was able to help someone else achieve success. And That's cool, we we know example, how that feels. Example
4: yeah. to humankind right there.
1: Yeah. You know, like Joe, it harkens back to uh, not this year, but the past year when me, you and Chav ran into the uh, young man that, you know, and his
3: son, Pat Lovato uh, and little Pat. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Pat and little Pat, man. I was more jacked up that little Pat was there with him skipping school and, you know, doing doing the cool things with Dad. I mean, he he was all outfitted in his own gear. Man had his boat. I mean, it was it was really cool to see that Pat was sharing that with his son. And
3: Absolutely. I, you
1: know, I could have cared less at at that point whether I killed anything. I really wanted that young man to be able to 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 feel all of that. And look, I mean, we kind of called them in. They called us in, kind of a deal. And then you know, we were working on some some other bulls that were around there and uh it is what it is but we sure uh, it it was kind of a highlight of our day uh seeing those two and then Absolutely. man it wasn't you know 15 minutes later we're in the middle of another set and uh you know they hadn't left us what maybe 20 minutes and you killed your bull yeah you know so i just think guys if you'll pass it on man uh chav said that pat pay it forward uh, if it comes back I, to you. I think so, man. I, you yeah. know, the good Eric, Lord's got a ways of blessing you.
4: What you've done, Eric, is, is worthy of admiration and respect. And so
1: uh Straight up L L grinder and, from us, man.
3: For oh sure. heck yeah. Eric man, um you you're the type of guy that we would want to have in our camp. Um who knows, maybe one day that'll happen since you're here in New Mexico. I mean, uh I, I just think that's cool. And you know, we always talk about trophies and awards. And, mm-hmm. I mean, you can think of killing an elk yourself. Like, I've killed so many elk in so many years, right? But that's something that I've done. But the things that I really remember is helping somebody else have that memory. And when we talk about trophies, I mean, Chav, you've uh, you've won a lot of accolades and trophies and stuff like that. But what's always been your thing about trophies?
2: Well, uh, you know, just a trophy is just a... Uh you know it's just an award that collects dust you know it's the memories that you get from from going through the process that uh, is really important yeah yep yeah.
3: absolutely and and i think not only is eric going to have an incredible memory but he's got a friend for life he's got a young man that now thinks that this guy is like uh the elk whisperer bro and uh he probably you know <laughs> he was he, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely yeah. was, you know, and we'll probably um stay connected with him and uh throughout, you know, for years yeah. to come. Eric might you might be an old man one day and this guy's gonna come up and, and knock on your door and just sit down and and uh and rehash memories and that's gonna be a special time, man. So yep. uh so way cool. I, I, I just thought that whole section so many of us in public land we get so hurt thinking that, you know, spots <clears> are ours and they're not you know um sometimes helping somebody else to have an experience will will speak volumes and like chav said you know those things that we have on our wall they just collect dust but helping another human being to feel good about themselves to achieve something to have a memory uh it it speaks volumes throughout eternity so guys don't forget that right yep you know be that, that kind of person sense, out there um and then my last category is something that you know it it it's not as much fun to talk about, um, but this has happened, and I've had a lot of guys that have called me, and, and I and I've actually experienced that on this last hunt. Uh, and this category is you can do everything right, and then the unexplainable happens. In other words, perfect shots can have less than perfect results. I, I will tell you. Uh, that I have talked to three individuals in the last week that have dealt with this, that they have either lost an animal. You know, I, I had a hunter just this last week that for days questioned himself, man, you know self-doubt replaying it over and (laughs) over saying how unlucky he was how unworthy how unprepared when he was none of those things because he made a perfect shot and i only know this because after three days of searching for his animal i found it after three days and three days three days joke dog bad boy eternity
1: in those terms (laughs) (laughs) yeah. W-W-J-G-D. <laughs> <laughs>
3: so I want that
1: guy in my elk camp.
3: You know, but it was bittersweet. And, man and, you know, it's bittersweet because, you know, we lost the animal. We found the animal, and and there was a lot of information we were able to get from it. But let me tell you what. He shot this bull in the pocket, shot it in the pocket behind the shoulder, and How this happens with an animal that is slightly, if anything, quartering away, it should have come out the golden triangle on the other side. But somehow or another, that arrow turn came out six inches further out in the back uh, on the other side and ended up only getting part of one lung and then internals on this animal. So an animal that should have died in 30 seconds to a minute ended up living. I gave that animal 12 hours, 12 hours until we got on it and it was still alive, got up and jumped. Gave it another four hours before I even looked at it after that because I figured well maybe, maybe you know, uh, it was uh, something that, you know, I'm missing something here <clears throat> and I finding a, find it alive, back out, go back in in another four hours and that animal is now gone and has walked off. You know, I mean and when let me tell you what, when I find the animal, he shot the animal in the pocket, man. And I ha- I have a very good buddy that is an incre- incredible guide and knowledge and, and had an animal that they shot mid-body, three inches behind the crease, found the arrow on the other side, full of blood. You know that that animal should have gone down in 10 to 15 seconds, never found the animal, and they are beating themselves up to death. I mean... You know there's just um sometimes guys you can have do the right things and, and have less than perfect results and you know there's sometimes that you get a bad shot and um i mean you've prepared like crazy you've you've done all the right things you've shot you've done things and just crap happens and you know Instead of you thinking that you are unlucky, unworthy, or unprepared, I I want you to think about this, that a lot of times, y'all, we are often only unprepared for the fact that life and death in the real world is not cut and dry. It can be messy and hard, more so in the animal world, where the difference between life and death, guys, is brutal. You know what I'm saying?
1: Absolutely. Yeah.
4: Um, I've I've had my fair share of, of those yeah. feelings, Joe. And, both, uh, both
1: Luis and I both have. Yeah. I mean
4: And um, and it's it's hard. It's it's really hard. But it's hard uh, it's
1: heartbreaking. I mean yeah. you so you put a lot of work in, uh you make a good sh- you think you make a good shot. Um and sometimes you do. You just uh for one reason or another, the, the animal runs out of sight, or you can't really pin him down. Uh, Weather—I mean, there's a lot of lot of lot of things that come into play. Um, I think, I think also a lot of times we, as hunters, the angles that we shoot are more important than, uh, than, than just the placement, right? the way the bull is standing, if he's hunched up, um, if he's at full alert. um, A lot of those things come into play, Joe. But just as you've said, the unexplainable happens. And when that happens, when that happens, man, you got to understand that there are lessons in this. Mm -hmm. Um, One of them is humility and humble pie and um, trying to figure out what we could do better as a hunter. The learning,
4: the learning behind it,
1: the learning behind it. um, And I agree and and keep working, you
4: know, absolutely. It's, you know, again, heartbreaking is tough, it's tough to overcome those feelings at the moment at the heat of the moment when, when those things are happening and unfolding and that all uncertainty comes, comes to play. And look, even, even this year, right. I mean, I kind of started a little bit on that path and, I was like, I try to keep optimistic, and I told—I remember telling Joe—I was like, "Hey, Joe, I'm sorry, man. I just—I felt like it was an okay shot," and and Joe is like, "Don't you start that crap on me!" And and I immediately—I <laughs> immediately turned and I said, "No, I'm just saying I'm sorry once, and that's it. I'm moving on. And you know, I—I'm gonna, you know, I gave it my best, and that was it. And and you know, fortunately, Those moments
1: are anxious, though, yeah. you know."
4: So, so oh, the, I guess the message, as you put it, Joe, is that, you know, we, we have to understand that the unexplainable happens, as you say it. It does. And we just have to accept it and just become better
3: for it. I, I have seen things in, in these 30 years, that, and, and I still continue to see things. You know, uh, I saw an animal shot um, so that it entered in one side, went across to the lung on the other side. The arrow ended up coming out the back hip of this animal without touching any internals totally it's unbelievable totally unexplainable in any way, shape, or form and but yet it happened I mean there are people that that saw all of this, so um, you know crap happens, and then you know that 's when we do everything right, and sometimes that we don't but you know look any of us worth our salt are going to are going to beat ourselves up a little bit over there. We're going to question ourselves. There's going to be the self-doubt. There's going to be the replaying. I mean, that's just because, you know, it is important to us. We do not sleep well at night. We do have a conscience. But yeah, you know, guys, that's our reason as hunters to be the best we can, to be as efficient as we can. And that's how we honor our animal that we seek out to harvest. That's what we do. But understand something. As long as we are human, as long as this is a battle between life and death, that there are going to be times that things are not going to go our way. Right. And and it's going to be things that are going to be hard to swallow. But that doesn't mean that we give up on this, you know? Huh. I mean, uh, and... And know and, that
1: that animal wasn't wasted.
3: Yeah. It, it, yeah it, it
1: fed the masses, right? It fed all of what lives in its wild environment.
3: Oh, nothing goes to waste in the wild, man. You know, and, you know, if and if you do your due diligence to find that animal and do everything you can to recover that animal. Like I said, I looked for three days. In two days alone, put on 20 miles. And, and that's where it came in real handy to have... Uh, my base map app, I used that to really? see where I had in where I had gridded, what I had covered. And my first uh area was a four hundred yard circle because I, I could swear that animal had to go down in that and then I extended to a half mile and found that animal at seven hundred and eighty six yards from where it last found it. So um wow. yeah it's That's you, you do mile. what you can as as much as you can. And if you do figure that that animal and and don't in the beginning do not go well it's just a flesh wound you know you follow it up as much as you can because i guarantee you man if you saw that go in if and and it goes in a little further back and it goes through both sides and has two holes that animal is going to die it's just flat out going to die uh it might take it two days to die but it's going to die and so you do the best you can for that recovery. That's, that is our ethical responsibility. That's all we can do. And if we've done that, you have to consign yourself that you've done the best that you can. And I've seen some incredible tracking jobs uh, done by incredible people. So uh, it can happen. And just stick to it. You know what I'm saying? Okay. That's right, Joe. All right, so we, we've covered the good, the bad, and the ugly, right? Yes, sir. <laughs> Let's go to our Elk Bros mailbox. You bet, buddy. Um, the, the Elk Bros mailbox, this first group of category, it seems like there's a, a lot of people dealing with this. And, yep. and I'm sorry they're having to deal with it, but it's just part of, again, part of nature, and that's dealing with wildfires. So, um, Luis, why don't you take that first one?
4: Yeah, Mr. Jerome Zimmerman uh, from Laramie, Laramie. Florida, uh, Wyoming. Mm-hmm. Laramie, Laramie, mm-hmm. Yeah. Laramie Wyoming. Uh, he says I'm about 20 days out from the opening of my season, rifle hunting in Wyoming. So yesterday, a wildfire in my area spread to over 60.
3: Thousand Thousand acres? acres. Yes, sir. My
4: question, wow, that's a lot. My question is where should I look for animals or should I just try? Just right uh, off the season. Right off the season. Um, I'm figuring that my best bet will be on the prairie at the base of the mountains in rough country just curious of what your opinion is thank you for the help and love the show congratulations on the great season for your crew sounded like an exciting hunt even if you were walking in circles <laughs> <laughs>
1: ah, ah,
3: jerome
1: yeah. zimmerman oh.
3: makes
4: a joke
3: yeah we are uh, okay
1: jerome I see, jerome. You yeah we did brother. get to
4: polish our, our geometry skills here a
3: little yeah, bit yeah i see uh-huh. you working especially bad though Uh (laughs) oh gilbert knows what a circle is
1: you dadgum right i do and i know what a half moon is too (laughs) hey jerome listen up brother Uh, it ain't gonna be long for them critters gonna be back in that burn brother um i i'm telling you it is not gonna take long huh joe
3: yeah the only thing is is he's he's um rifle hunting this season and You know now, if had this happened in the summertime there and we got moisture and stuff like that, and it was a you know it was a fire, then it might be a little bit different but uh and Gilbert's right, it don't take long for the mammals to get back in now. I'm not sure if it's anything like what I saw some of the beetle kill forests there in Wyoming I mean it was just oh my gosh, I mean it's just nothing but dead forest in a lot of places, and you knew that once a fire started it was just tinder you know yeah uh so this could be good uh in a lot of ways um but if you're like going into an area to hunt i can see where it'd be difficult and discouraging and 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 look there's a lot of variables here to talk about a fire whether it's a good fire a fast fire hot fire Mm -hmm. um You know, whether it's a patch fire where it leaves stuff in between the grasses and what's moist and jumps over areas, there's there's so many variables to that. But when you're talking 60,000 acres like that, and if it's anything like what I envision, you know, those animals are going to push into areas. And and they could be. It could be the prairie at the base if it provides what they need, if it Mm -hmm. provides water, food, and cover, You know, and so you're not the only one. I I talked with Jason here. So I'm going to read Jason's real quick because we're going to talk about these in kind of combination. He's from Arvada, Colorado. He says, I was just getting ready to put boots on the ground when a wildfire broke out in my unit where I hold a cow tag for the third rifle. Should I forget about hunting my original unit this year and buy an OTC tag for the second hunt? What will an active fire do to elk population? It's burning at higher elevation in the southwest part of the unit 12,000 acres, and that's grown since then. Will it cause migration to start early? Will it have the same effects of cold, deep snow? It's actually snowing today. Also, because of closures, I won't be able to scout the areas I originally pinpointed. The areas are not biting, uh, but firefighters using all the roads to access the fire, so they're closing them off. On opening morning, should I just shoulder my pack, check the wind, and head for a high spot to glass? My biggest fear is bumping into a bunch of elk in the dark. Um, So he's got a lot of things going on in his, you know, that he talks about, but I'm going to tell all you guys, look, one thing that I I tell guys is that in a lot of these areas, you have prevailing winds, like where we hunt, we got a prevailing wind that comes out of the West, right? So a lot of times those fires, even though they will creep towards that west and the burn the way it goes, most of that fire is going to get blown towards the east, east. head to the north, right, Different, which, whichever way those winds are taking it. So a lot of times these animals are going to head with the wind in their nose and they're going to head to get out of that if they can, if they're in that ability to do that. So um, I would look for adjacent areas to this fire in multiple areas that provide the exact same things that you were looking for before. Does mm-hmm. it provide water? Does it provide food? Does it have security? Um, if if you find those things in adjacent areas, these animals are going to be concentrated more. Uh, and I would look 5 to 10 miles from this, and, and for me, I would actually go on the prevailing side because... You know, these animals uh, could have gotten out that way. But if it doesn't work out according to your unit, if it doesn't work out according to uh, topography, look around and find those types of areas. So uh, as far as it acting like um, starting a migration, I don't know that it starts a migration. It just starts a movement. I mean, it's just like, you know.
1: They don't want to leave their range. You know, that's their home. They don't want to. The fire will move them. Uh, but I'm I'm I watched a deal on a uh, wildlife biologists talk about this very thing on our uh, Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, and they've seen herds come back to a burn in less than 15 days, Joe, after a rain. Oh, sure. So, I mean, again, depending the, on the type of burn, right? Yeah, depending yep. on the type of burn. So, yep. and, and they were talking about edges of the burn, uh, where you these these critters like to set up on those edges too, because it offers offers some really rich uh opportunity for them to graze and really good cover too so um you you guys don't get too afraid of all of that i think you still like joe said you know do your due diligence put your boots on the ground man and go check go check around the edges of the burn uh and see what's what's
3: now i'll tell you the edges of those burns are going to be better a year and two years from now. absolutely Or again, if they happened at the beginning of the summer and we got moisture, that's definitely a place. Now, it's going to be a lot tougher right now because you're not in the growing season. So, everything is going to be dormant underneath that burn right now. So, you've got to find the areas that already have the water, food, and the cover, all right? and And going up someplace and and high to glass is what you should be doing anyway, Jason anyway, man, yeah. and you know, uh yeah, check the wind, get up there, and if you're doing this if if you're getting up on it early in the morning and in some of that mountainous country, a lot of those elk are going to be down lower anyway they they might be on benches or they might be on um uh saddles and different things like that, so the when you get up high, don't worry about you know. Your biggest fear shouldn't be bumping elk in the dark really. I mean, uh I I wouldn't make that my biggest fear. I I think I would use my nose. If I've got the if I've got my nose to the wind like you're talking about or cross, I should be able to smell them if I'm coming up to elk in the dark. So pay attention to your other senses. They're, you know, depending on I think you're talking about the second rifle And, and then the third rifle Is your mm-hmm. cow tag Well those cows man by that time Are probably going to be a little bit lower Looking for that grass And they're going to be on those southern slopes If there's any snow So um, that third rifle is a little bit different That second hunt I'm not sure if you're talking about a cow Or a bull then On that second hunt But buddy with those cows If you're hunting cows you got to find feed you got to find feed got to find water got to find feed gotta find water
1: all slaves to the belly joe
3: absolutely man so um and if there are people that aren't able to get into certain areas because roads are closed off you know you might be able to find another way to get in their back door and it kind of limits the people that are in there so you know there's a lot of questions that you have to ask yourself on this i mean it's just personal preference for some of these things if you Follow your heart. Follow your gut. If part of you tells you to do something, go do it. All right, you know, uh, and 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 enjoy it. Once you make the decision, don't second guess though. Exactly. And we tell ourselves as guides all the time. We got to make tough decisions. Once we make that decision, that is the decision. You live with it, and you go make it happen. Okay. Yep. All right. And uh and, and Jerome man, I, I've heard I think that fire is up to eighty thousand acres now, if that's the Mullen fire I think that they're talking about wow. or that I've heard about. So I, I really feel for you guys having to deal with that. I feel for homeowners, I feel for all the people that are having to deal with that. It's a tough time, but you know, there's a reason for that fire and uh we're hoping that you know in the future that becomes even a better place for those critters. All right. Yep. Yeah. Um, you want to get next the next up, one Gilbert?
1: Yeah. Next up. Oh, Joe Willett sent us a note here from Clellum, Washington. He says, so I live and hunt in Washington state in our state. If you don't draw a cow permit or branch antler bull permit, you're limited to a spike only or even a true spike. How would I target those in both early or late season? Do you have any advice or calling tactics? Uh, scenarios to try i'm a solo hunter and have some calling experience but i typically end up calling in bulls with cows and having fun doing that i occasionally jump them wandering around uh but hardly see them ever again
3: yeah so he's he's wanted tactics to be able to to hunt spikes right and uh (laughs) You know, they those like poor to dudes. be with the herd. Yeah, absolutely. man. <laughs> they those want to dudes. be part of the party. <laughs> they do, man. So much so. Yeah. And, and so what did we do to get your uh spike there, Luis?
2: As far as recovery?
3: No, no, as far as getting it to come in. Yeah. Oh, well, um you
4: had to change tactics there. <laughs> we we started early in the morning and um we heard him sparring and, um, you know, I, we, we heard we were other actually, bulls, right? There were other bulls sparring. Yeah, there right? were other bulls in the area, and we, we, we were able to actually put eyes on them. So, um, as you started calling in, Um, You had a kind of a lost cow tactic just to see if that would, you know, get their attention. And it sure did. I mean, they were all looking in our direction, but I I did notice one of them started kind of going away, not liking the situation. So I told, I told you that. And as soon as I said that you kind of started changing the tactic and started playing more like you were a herd and um, we had some cows in there with a bull and you guys were moving kind of away. And um, so at that moment I did see the spike just kind of take you know bite the hook and started kind of gaining some interest and started coming our way and because of the topography it was kind of hard for me to see where he went so there was a blind spot there where I couldn't see if he'd gone up on the side of the uh, on the wood side or straight up in the you know clear area and um, you know at that point you actually moved out into the clear area because uh, you were looking at my body language of, you know, trying to peek out above and, you know, where I couldn't see the animal. So as soon as that happened then he was on a string, man, he did like the whole herd st- strategy and he was, he was on a string. I mean, he like just I came said, trot- trotting up that hill, like, you know, up until, you know, he it bumped into Manano texting.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and like i said they want to be part of the party man I mean, yeah i've yeah. seen it a thousand times joe's joe can call cows and spikes like is no business i mean you you, you want to call them close to you and not a problem we know how to get them spikes involved don't you?
3: yeah and and when you're talking about targeting them earlier late season they want early and late now they get bumped out by those bulls those running yeah. bulls they just uh so that's why they're out there You know, and you're calling bulls and cows in at that time because they're they're kind of been pushed out. Yeah, (laughs)
1: they're scared uh, for their life
3: but early and late season those spikes are going to join right back up with that herd they want to be with the herd they're young bulls um they still have a mama there and an aunt and a grandma and they Mm -hmm. want to be part of that so you know when i want to target spikes i just use herd talk man and and yeah you're going to bring some cows but if there's any spikes in the area you'll end up pulling some of those spikes as well and (laughs) and i i tell you man uh They'll even come into bull screaming and it stuff will, like that. Man. They just, you know, I, I sat on a ridge when um, Manano had killed his bull, and and I was just trying to freeze this bull and just distract <laughs> him. And I'm screaming like bloody murder, man. I mean, I'm just doing bugles that are ridiculous bugles. I mean, irritating bugles. And yeah. these spikes just came. Do-do-do-do-do. They just oh, wanted yeah. to, yeah. 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 It was one of the, the like, you know, see the
4: show. They yeah. just kind of wanted to come in and see what's going on. I've mean, I never like heard anything a, like, like a fight this at before. School,
1: man. Here they all come. They want to yeah. see the. <laughs> they want see the fight at school, you know. Uh, so, I—I yeah. I yeah, I mean, honestly, I was borderline thinking.
4: I was like, well, you know, I don't. I understand what Joe is trying to do by trying to distract the bowl and looking this way, but I don't know if that's actually going to. <laughs> be counterproductive to where it's going to really scare that bull away, <laughs> make right. it run away but I, it was completely the opposite man it was just I, we had additional animals coming in
3: yeah it was I tell crazy. You, it was,
1: one morning i had the the great carl gamage with me and i had scott deaton with me and we're coming up through uh, a little spot that joe loves dearly That's close to where we hunt now and we're coming up through this little neck of, this little neck and I work, I'm cow calling and sounding like a big old herd bull and stuff like that. And I happen to turn and look up on the left-hand side of me. There's a big shelf and I thought I heard some rocks clinking and I turn and I look and I mean, there's three, three big spikes and they're all like, like a dog looking at (laughs) a cow looking at a new gate. They're all like, what in the world are they doing down there sounding like that? And they don't look like an elk. You know they're all. I mean, they would turn their heads like a dog, like that. So we just kept rolling, right? We just kept moving forward. And I, I showed it to to Scott. I said, "Hey, look right there. You kill one of them." He goes, "No, no, I'm killing a bull, a bigger bull." <laughs> like, okay, so we just kept rolling, right? Those rascals followed us. They uh, will absolutely. Yeah, they followed us for a quarter of a mile. Joe, every time I'd start calling, they'd run up the side of that ridge, come on down, and then come right back down to us. Yeah. It was a to, to crazy
4: thing. It sounds like they're I mean, they're they're young animals, right? Absolutely. I mean, they're still trying yeah. to figure stuff out, right? Yeah, sure. So it's just like it it kind of reminds me a little bit of them calves that we called in, you know, this, yeah, this year, year. Yeah. that they were just like they weren't sure in what they were looking at and they we were still kind of following with a ball, us. And, so, I mean, it, it, spikes look big because uh, they have, you know, they grow quickly. But hmm. I mean, as far as animal age, they're still kind of pretty young and trying to figure stuff out. So, sure. if you think about it, it's really like the second, maybe the third season, may you know, if any, if anything like that. But it's mainly the second season of these animals when they're kind of spikes like that. So, they they're still not sure what's what's all going on, and well, they're and, very. And- full of curiosity
3: look you're a teenager and 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 your your dad has just booted you out of the house and <laughs> yeah. and, and yeah. you just yeah. want to go home man yeah. you just want to full hang out mama. with the family man you want yeah. to go with mama aunt and grandma and yeah. so really but you you just use that you use that herd talk you use the muse right. you use the chirps uh you use some of those buzz calls uh, you know, the, just those things that those cows use to just sound like a group and a herd. You can yep. throw them in different directions, uh, and you, you change it up. You give it some variety to sound like a herd, and I think that's the best bet, early and late season, to be able to bring those spikes in and, and to have that opportunity. Okay, Imagine. um, so. Guys, man, um, I, I just want to say before, we, because I know this next one, uh, Darren White from Vancouver, Kevin Orcutt from Union Grove, Jonathan Bruce from Eugene, Joshua Bonfilio from Oregon. You guys are next in our lineup. And the reason I'm stopping here is that it's it's amazing, Darren, because your question is – has just become a topic in the Our Elk whole Bros. Broadcast. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 become a topic in the Elk Bros, and it's amazing that he and I'm gonna throw this out so you guys know that this is coming up on the list here. Um, he's actually wondering uh what we think about the Ashby data and the philosophy of those that apply to the principles like James Nash. So when he's talking about his 12 rules and the different things like that. Yeah, the I, factors, man. That's, that's so. That's the stuff I've been looking at. Look at Luis's face slide up, hey. man. Because, you know, Luis just posted on the Instagram today about, you know, how he's just made the adult arrows and, yeah. you know, he's doing all this experimentation. And, and Luis is the scientist of the group. And you can see from his face, he's like a kid in a candy store. <laughs> Show him, Luis. Huh?
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, He got all geeked up over. Oh Oh, man. man. So
3: he started listing all this stuff that you know, his first setup and this next setup. And all I did was on on Instagram. I just did that little emoji, like (laughs) you know, my brain blowing (laughs) up. Like the brain blowing (laughs) up. Yeah. 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 So um we'll get that on our podcast the next time, Darren. So uh man, stay tuned for that. All right. Absolutely. Very cool.
1: Yeah, it's uh guys, you know, all of these topics that we've talked tonight, we've all been through uh in 2020 uh elk season already. There are guys that are getting ready geared up, Joe that are going to get the smoke poles out and go to laying some some meat on the ground. It's been an unbelievable archery season. We still got some buddies that are up in Colorado still doing it. So big shout out to them guys out there uh, that are, uh, still getting it done. Uh, you know, Mr. Howe and all, all his friends that are up there in Colorado. We, uh, Max Layton starts
3: his next week too. So good Mm -hmm. luck, Max.
1: That's uh, that is awesome. And we can't wait to see the pictures. Uh, you know, guys, if you like what we're doing, please subscribe, rate and review. You got to go to Apple podcast or iTunes to review us and you can check out more elk hunting content at elkbros.com. Also, man, I, I you know I got to keep saying this because the academy that Joe and Chab have put together has just been unbelievable. The elk camp that you can go guys can go to on our webpage and check that camp out. It is uh it is unlike anything you guys have ever seen. I don't care if you've been elk hunting for forty years, you're gonna learn something. Y'all go check it out on uh, elkbros.com. Uh, joe and chav put their life's work into this stuff it's been fantastic Uh, the reviews have been fantastic joe you know the stuff that i've seen in it's been a huge help i used a bunch of it this year i I know Luis and the other boys did too so you know just a reminder if our listeners out there would like their questions answered on our show and send your questions to info at elkbros.com that's info at elkbros.com Joe, another epic episode here on the Blue Collar Elk Academy. Number
3: 88, bro. Number
1: yeah. 88. It yep. just keeps getting better. And it's because of you guys out there that we get to do stuff like this. So from and, the bottom this of the bottom.
4: And this was very special, too, because there's a lot of emotions and feelings in, into this podcast. And, yep. and it's all about kind of the inner selves and, and the experiences of the hunt and, and really what's, what's important. So a very, very human like type podcast with ton of emotions and feelings and, 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 and memory. So, uh, no, I, I liked it. It was, it felt very special, Joe.
1: Yeah. Joe does a tremendous job putting all this content together for us. We get to come out here. I get to MC it, bring it to you live and in charge, but you know, (laughs) It, like the big O show. <laughs> uh, we're going to end it. We're going to end it. We're going to go to our little close here, guys. We thank you so the much for – circle Eric. walker. Yeah, <laughs> the circle walker himself. <laughs> husbands, kiss your wives. Wives, kiss your husbands. Hug your babies. Keep your broad head sharp and your powder dry. And we'll see you next week right here on Blue Collar Elk, honey. Peace,
3: peace, peace, everybody. Peace. everybody. Peace.